1: And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one Mc So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.
0: The NBA playoffs are here. And we all know playoff mode is a thing. Listen to the evidence. Playoff crowds are going wild. Playoff players are lighting
1: up the court. Even the speakers are in playoff mode. Okay, we'll take it down a notch, but just a notch, because this is the Turn It Up to 11
0: NBA Playoffs. Playoff mode is clearly a thing. This
1: is what you love about
0: the NBA Playoffs presented by Google Pixel continue on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast, brought to you by the team behind BikeRadar.com, Cycling Plus, and MBUK magazines. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe. And if you can do so, leave us a rating on your podcast provider of choice.
2: It really helps us reach other cyclists like you. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Bike Radar Podcast. Today's topic is Headliner Bikes of 2023. Now, This is a feature which will be readable in an upcoming issue of Cycling Plus, where we've chosen four of the bikes that we consider to be headliners for 2023. Now, these are road bikes, which we feel are going to be setting a trend or new standards as we move into the future. But before we get to that, let me introduce who I have with me today. We have Senior Technical Editor for Bikeradar.com, Ash Quinlan. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. And we have Senior Technical Editor for Cycling Plus, Warren Rossiter. Morning. Morning. And I am your host, Simon von Bromley, senior tech writer for Bikeradar.com. How is everyone? What have we been up to recently, Ash?
3: Oh, now you're asking. Now you're asking. (laughs) Uh, Freezing is what I've been doing. Uh, No, no, uh, I'm sure we've got some listeners who have to deal with more than just minus two degrees and a little bit of snow here and there. But it's it's put a stop to my uh, my testing just recently. Uh, We are in. We are sprinting headlong into Christmas. um, And as anyone knows, who who, well anyone who's employed knows uh, that you know usually have to pack in a little bit more work than. as you would normally do in such a short space of time. So, uh, yeah, it's it's just been incredibly busy. I'd be hard-pressed to tell you exactly what I've been doing because I feel like I'm uh, one of those sort of um, circus act plate spinners, you
2: know? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I know the feeling. And, yeah, like, I, as you say, it has been very cold here recently. We actually had some snow the other day, which... Yep, uh, yep. Sort of, you know, brought the whole country to a halt as it as it often does in Britain. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, although I think you've been out on the bike regardless of the snow. Am I right? Was? Yeah, yeah. I've got a few gravel bikes on go at the minute, so riding gravel in
0: ice and snow is uh, an interesting experience, especially seeing as the bikes don't really come with tyres equipped. Like. <laughs> so it's been a lot of um, two wheel drifting, I would think you'd call it. And uh, uh, but you know, it's. I always just of the you know the mindset that it's always more fun to be out on a
2: bike than not. So can't argue just, with that. <laughs> just dress up, suck it up and get out. Oh, I would much prefer to stay warm on the smart trainer, but um well <laughs> that's probably a topic for another day. <laughs> okay, well let's move uh, swiftly on. As I said, this is our headliners road bikes for 2023. And those these are the bikes that we think are going to be kind of setting the trends or setting a new standard as we move into the new year. Now our first bike is the Trek Domane, and specifically, we're going to be talking about the Trek Domane SL7, which uh, Warren reviewed earlier this year, which is a kind of mid-range build with SRAM Force ETAB Axis, Bontrager carbon wheels, and you know, kind of few smattering of nice components. But um, Woz, why don't you tell us about why you think this is a kind of headliner for 2023?
0: Uh, well, I mean, first up, I'd, I'd, I'd bring you up on the mid-range tag. Well, uh, you know, this is a. Ten thousand pound bike. I know, but I, you know,
2: I kind of consider force. All, I said, yeah, maybe I'm. Yeah, I kind of consider force around that mid. But yeah, maybe I'm completely wrong.
0: Well, I mean, for, <laughs> force is, you know, it's it's not the, that it's I'm the, saying it's, it's your Integra yeah, equivalent. That's what I mean. Know, I don't mean it I pre- pre- pejoratively. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's like, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, that is the that is is the elephant in the room. Really, is is pricing in twenty twenty three. I yeah. think it's going to be talked about more than anything else. But anyway, back to the bike. You know, this is the the fourth generation Demany. Um, and what I really, really liked about it is the way that they've sort of shaken it up a bit. You know, that original Domani back in 2012, designed with lots of input from, you know, Cancellara, you know, legendary classics rider, it was designed purely for racing, racing those coupled classics. But over the years, I think the Domani had got plushier, portlier, mm. a bit more relaxed, it kind of moved a little bit away from its kind of racing roots. is no bad thing, because I've, really enjoyed every generation of Damani. You know, the double speed 1s were supremely comfortable, lots of clever engineering going on in there. But now this one, they've kind of, they've stripped it right back. They've gone back, you know, they've gone back to 2012. So it's a bit more aero. It's a lot lighter and it's a lot simpler technically. Um, and they've done all this at the same time as maintaining those kind of core values of, of you know, endurance bike, smoothness and handling, you know, everything that, that made the Damani so good in the first place.
2: And do you think that is kind of um, a result of like pro rider feedback, those those sorts of changes, or or is that something that kind of, you know, kind of endurance road bike fans have been clamoring for more generally? I actually think it's probably, there has been a bit of feedback coming from from their team, you know, Trek are one of the
0: you know, massive constants in the pro tour, so they are going to be getting a lot of that feedback. We also think it's a lot where technology has moved on, you know, tech has moved on a lot since 2012, you know. Um, Especially on the road, road riders have now embraced tubeless tyres, which has meant that, you know, and the full taking on of disc brakes. You know, remember the original Domani was a rim brake bike. So design and engineering has changed with the way the technology has changed, which has allowed, like the Mark IV Domani has got huge tyre clearances. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got, I think it comes as standard with, um, with a set of 32s on it. Um, you know, it would take you know, something like a 34 comfortably. So all that engineering they put into th- like front and rear ISO speed to get the comfort, you can now get from a tyre that you've got much more control over tyre pressure. So they've been able to sort of maintain the, the high level of smoothness and comfort that the is known for, but bring the tech down, reduce the weight, and do everything around that. You know, I think it's um, it's one of those things that's not often talked about when we talk about disc brakes, you know, is the way that it's given designers so much more freedom.
2: Yeah, and it's, as you said, you kind of mentioned there, it's kind of had a simplified ISO speed system. So they've got rid of the front ISO speed and it's just the rear one now. Is it, It's not exactly the same as the previous version, but obviously they've not gone for a kind of Trek Madone hole in the, the seat tube. It is still like an ISO speed decoupler, isn't it? Well, it
0: sort of, sort of isn't. Okay. Now
2: the the, the the top tube and the seat tube are
0: actually joined. They're not, okay. they're not um, there's no ISO speed decoupler there. What the ISO speed now does is it isolates the seat post on its own. So you still have, you have that constant relationship between seat tube and, seat, and top tube, which is good. And now they're relying on allowing the seat post to move independent of the seat tube. So it's kind of they've built an elaborate iso-speed clamp system. Uh, <laughs>
2: I think I know what you mean, though, yeah. because when yeah, when you allow that kind of, it's got around twenty-seven point two yeah. seat posts, and so when you allow a seat post that's already you know pretty skinny and flexible, you allow it to flex within that frame, you get much more kind of you know, I suppose, travel.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, but and the other thing is that that the, the seat post is actually properly affixed, as it were. It's not you know, it's not being allowed so much freedom of movement like you'd get from a really flexible carbon post, et cetera. So it. It's what it's really, really good at, and um, which I which I found is just high speed vibration. It just kills it. You just don't feel it, um, but you don't get any of that kind of reach extension as you hit something big, and the and the, the bike's going. <laughs> you, know, you just don't get that. So it's um, it, it's been a really, it's a really, it's a really clever way that they've that they've moved the, I guess the ISO speed
2: idea mm. on. And, and, you know, I I guess the kind of question that, you know, I think endurance road bike territory for me has kind of been encroached upon by, by gravel bikes. You know, the people who would have wanted more tire clearance, you know, more relaxed geometry, those sorts of things. You know, a lot of those people might be thinking, well, you know, I should just go full hog here, buy a gravel bike. But I think. In your review of the Demane, you kind of cited that the kind of li- the lively handling you know, is one of the reasons to buy a bike like the Demane if you're still a primarily a road cyclist. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I
0: mean, it, it's a really interesting place at the minute for the endurance bike. It's kind of it's being squeezed from both sides. When you're finding things like your all-round race bikes are getting more comfortable, um, they're getting more generous tire clearances. Even aero bikes are getting more mm. comfortable and, and more generous tire clearances. And then you're seeing this whole spur off of gravel bikes where they're basically race bikes for gravel you know so so the the endurance bike is being crushed from both sides but i do think what what you get from a bike like the Damani or like this you know and bikes like the new synapse um is they've got that smooth endurance bike comfort but they've become a bit more sportier so the handling is a little bit quicker and what you'll find is like even the very best kind of race gravel bikes still have a bit of a relaxed head angle they still mm-hmm. have a bit more trail so they still feel stable on the road rather than exciting and I think you know in, in endurance bikes have kind of you know they've um, they've straightened their tops and they've flexed their muscles and they've got sporty <laughs> again which is which is a good thing you know um, and that's not to say something like a Damani I would be more than happy riding light gravel on it all day, you know, and, and have, you know, upon my usual testing grounds upon the, on Sultry Plain where you've got gravel roads for, you know, you know, you've got about 90 miles of gravel roads rather than single track or dirt or anything like that. And the Domani kills on that surface. It's, it's brilliant, you know, and you know, effectively when you look at the Spring Classics, you know, those cobbles, they're more extreme than most gravel roads, you know, until you get into the super tech stuff. So, so if you're not fully committed to being you know a gravel rider i still think the endurance bike is a you know is an almost best of both worlds option and then we don't need to start talking about all road bikes which
2: is another subgenre that is just set to confuse <laughs> well, us yeah no, we had a bit well, we had a bit of a thing about that on uh, bike radars twitter recently i think when someone sort of pointed out that this was a new category that maybe we invented but i don't think we did this is you know obviously what are you are going to do have you ever ridden a demano ash i have not i've have I ridden a Damani? Now, now you're asking. Me,
3: <laughs> now you're asking me the question. Uh, I don't believe I've ridden a contemporary one. No, so not one that that got very soft as as uh, or overcomplicated and heavy as as Warren explained. Um, I may have ridden the uh, one of the earliest ones, um, but yeah, I mean, having being having that, um it, it, it is a confusing time at the moment, especially for people looking at buying buying bikes right now because you you think I've got this carries over to wheels as well, where you have gravel wheels, all road wheels, and sort of road, road wheels, road wheels, yeah. right? Um, and you you have bikes that cover those disciplines as well. And ultimately, you're looking at a very overcomplicated Venn diagram, mm. uh, where all of those kind of all of those circles, all of those spheres of influence, kind of intersect one another. Um, so usually, you're looking for a balance that that works for you. Um, I think Warren's probably right. And this is why it's been selected that, you know, the, you know, the Damani probably reasserts the endurance bike as a very, va- still a very valid category for those who, 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 you know, don't want the, to go all in on gravel. Yeah. Uh, yet, yet could say, take on something like the Etape du Tour or, so, or, you know, on a De and be perfectly happy doing so?
2: Yeah, like Rose, you know, the kind of Rose, as as, as Warren said, you see in the Spring Classics, whether it's, it is, it is you know, Paris-Roubaix, Tour of Flanders or the Bianca, you mm, know, like yep. the, the, that, that sort of stuff is well within the capabilities of, you know, the, the Domane and, and, as Warren mentioned, the kind of synapse. And I think it is interesting because, you know, obviously, you know, gravel is the kind of like the trendy thing at the moment. So obviously, you know, it's very, oh, I'll go get a gravel bike and I'm going to go and, you know, do all these kind of amazing gravel roads from you seeing all the adverts. But like, I mean, I don't really have any of those <laughs> around where I live in the south, you know, south of Bristol. I'd have to go quite a long way to, you know, to sort of, you know, find them. Like, yeah, maybe I, there's the odd farm track I can cut across, but like, do I really need 45 millimeters of tire clearance and, yeah. you know, 650B wheels or, you know, whatever to do all that stuff? Like, arguably no. And then I'm going to probably be you know, slower and a bit more bored on the roads in between those trails. So I think, yeah, as, as we've kind of said, like the endurance road bike category might not be the most kind of fashionable right now, but there is a lot of stuff kind of going on in that. And I think this, as you say, this kind of the, the idea that, you know, endurance road bikes are kind of going back to their kind of sportier routes makes them a little bit more fun, a little bit more exciting and, you know, maybe a bit more worth consideration. Yeah, but
0: I mean, even with that, you know, this this new Gen 4 Domani, um, as I say, it has got sportier, the, the handling has got livelier. But it's, they've also retained versatility and probably even packed in a little bit more. You know, I think it's just a great year-round bike. It's got proper mudguard mounts. It's actually got mm. hidden rack mounts for the rear. You know, it's even got a bento box mount on the top tube. Um, so I would even say, you know, most people that go bike packing or old school touring, you know, your majority of your time is going to spend on on tarmac roads. It's only going to be short sections or smaller sections that are actually going to be on gravel. So I actually think, you know, even though this is a 10 grand sort of race bike, you could go bikepacking with it. It's got that versatility built into it. So it's, um, you know, I know we're always banging on about, you know, the one bike for everything. um, And I kind of think this is where this fits in. Um, You mm. know, I'm a, I'm a big advocate of saying there's one bike for everything and then I just <laughs> buy millions of bikes. So... It's nice in theory. It's nice in theory, isn't it? Though. Yeah, it's a brilliant theory. Yeah, yeah. yeah Yeah. If I wanted to downsize and go minimalist, this is the sort of bike I'd be looking at.
2: Yeah, definitely. I I, I think you said you know like the hidden mudguard mounts are a really nice touch, and I know that's something that you know me and uh, Jack Luke, another um, parishioner of this podcast, has has we've kind of discussed at length many many times, but. There's not really da- any downsides to neatly hidden mud guard mounts, but it means that you know, come winter, you can ride a bike and not get soaking wet. It's quite nice. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. Or or soak the person riding behind you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or soak the person <laughs> riding behind you if you're lucky enough to have any friends. <laughs> okay. Well, that that's great. Well, so I the bike that I'm going to bring to the table today is the uh, Giant Propel, and specifically the Advanced SL Zero model, which is which I tested earlier this year. Um, now this is a 2023 model, so uh, Giant hasn't actually had their UK stock yet, so I don't actually have UK pricing. I think it's going to be more expensive than it was previously. We've had pricing for some territories. Yeah, I think
0: it's, yeah it's over eleven.
2: Yeah, 000, uh, I think though, isn't it? Yeah, but th- it's a Durace build with you know KDEX wheels, carbon handlebars, carbon stem, you know, carbon saddle. Yeah, the all, thing all I all think I'd say of... when
0: you look through the spec, there's nothing the need to change or upgrade no. or anything. You know, yeah, exactly.
2: To... Um, but yes, it's still it's still an expensive bike. But it is the top of the range one. Now, I think for, for me, the kind of the reason this was such an exciting bike this year is just because it's that obvious thing where it's basically it's a sub-seven kilo Aero road bike, which is exceptionally rare in the kind of era of disc brakes. Now, mm. we can obviously we can argue how aero is it. You know, we haven't taken it to a wind tunnel to compare it against, you know, a Cervelo S five. Or whatever, I suspect, you know, using the kind of eyeball wind tunnel, it's probably not quite as aerodynamically efficient as something like an S5 or perhaps a, a Trek Madone or, you know, one of the kind of more radically extreme aero road bikes. But Giant says it's more aerodynamic than the previous Propel, you know, which we know is a, a pretty fast bike already. Um... And yeah, to come in at kind of, it was 6.9 kilos, my test bike in a kind of size medium large, it's around a kind of 56. And that's uh, that's with bottle cages, you know, with an out front mount, you know, all of those sorts of things. So yeah, a pretty, pretty light bike and, you know, maybe not the most kind of visually exciting bike, but kind of sensible in a lot of ways in the sense that you know, it's not, overly aerodynamic it doesn't come with 65 millimeter deep wheels that are kind of yeah they're incredibly fast on a still day but make you a little bit afraid to take your bike out a bike out anytime the wind picks up it's got relatively simple cable routing just goes under the stem into the kind of uh, head tube in front of the uh, in front of the steerer which is quite nice you know not not too complex although you know you're still going to have to you know, disconnect some hydraulic cables if you want to change your handlebar, but I think that's kind of par for the course for aero road bikes. Yeah, I think with this particular build, one of the the, the great uh, assets of it were the KDX wheels. Now, those were incredibly light aero wheels with kind of carbon spokes, you know, really, really fancy hubs with ceramic bearings, and, you know, really super light hookless rims, and I think they came under came in at under 1400 grams for a set of 50 millimeter aero tubeless ready aero wheels you know which is kind of tube tubular wheel territory yeah, yeah
0: yeah i mean i've tested those wheels sort of independent of the bike when they when they launched and they went on to my my own like tcr and it's not like my tcr was lacking and you know decent wheels where i put them on um and what really impressed me about those KDEX with the like the carbon spoken is is exiting a corner they're they have this incredible sort of. They stand up and want to go fast. They they, they just sort of there's no there's no feeling of any ounce that you're losing any energy. You know, you just like lean it, crank it right into a corner, and then when you stand up to come out, the bike stands up and wants to go fast. It wants to go forward. I was so impressed with them, you know, as a kind of it was literally their first go. You know, kdex you know a, a relaunched brand from Giant. You know, to to make things. More premium than what they had there before, and for a first kind of, you know, a first a first go at making some wheels, they, I was just like, oh my god, they seem to know what they're doing. <laughs> it's, well, it's remarkable, isn't it, that we, we we
3: can ride, you know, these these different wheels that come from these these brands, and KDX is, is a good example where they sort of arrive on the scene and then sort of push it slightly forward again uh, from where you've been before. Uh, you've made the point several times that you can you, you can buy what you think is the next is the best bike, and bikes won't get any better than this um or wheels won't get any better than this and suddenly something else does come along and improve improve the formula a little yeah. bit and it's amazing that they did that first time
0: yeah totally
2: yeah i think yeah. You know, obviously they are uh, it, i think what's what's very impressive is as you say is how they've kind of like come in like this because I, I, when i i have also have a giant tcr and it came with some uh, giant wheels which were from 2020, I believe, and they were a little bit narrower, both kind of internally and externally. Mm -hmm. I think one of the nice things that Cadex has done is they've kind of upped those, the rim shapes are more progressive, and and they've really gone to town, as you say, with the kind of carbon spokes, with the hubs, with the kind of construction method. It's a really, really premium wheel set, and yeah, it does feel great. Now, you know, against the clock, is it going to make that much difference versus a kind of slightly cheaper carbon wheel set? You know, I'm not so sure, but they do feel really good and if you like a kind of like loud <laughs> tinny freehub then they certainly have those they have KDX wheels have a kind of quite a unique freehub sound which you know if you like silent bikes it's probably not for you but if you if you do like a kind of loud freehub there's a there's a very specific uh tone to it which is quite nice it's, it's kind of a quite a kind of clicky sound which is very nice um and quite quite nice if you like to be uh held accountable when you're free riding by friends right yeah or if you don't have a bell on your bike and you kind of want to alert pedestrians to your uh to your presence on a bike path or something it's quite good for so that I just
3: stop peddling for a moment Yeah. Um,
2: but something i'm interested in about this you've you've this is because you've reviewed
3: the Advanced SL Zero, Uh, but there are other tiers that people could probably, you know, get behind if they they wanted a cheaper or potentially more expensive bike. Explain about about the range. So
2: you can't get a more expensive bike Ah, than the bike that I tested. But that, like I said, like we said at the sort of start of this section, that comes with, you know, everything top spec. So, but you can get cheaper bikes and as usual with Giant, they kind of do it on there just like with the TCR. There's an Advanced SL, Advanced Pro. Yep. Or just advanced forms. Now, on the advanced SL model and that range which I tested, that comes with Giant's uh, integrated seat post. Now, you know, Giant has really stuck with the integrated seat post on its top level uh, road frames for a while. I am kind of it's not really my cup of tea. I think it, you know, having to kind of cut down a seat post to get your saddle position right feels a little bit extreme to me. You know, obviously it means you can't, you know, remove the seat post to pack it if you'd like to travel with your bike much, but it's not score, though. I mean, my,
0: my own TCR is, a, is ISP, and I've traveled that bike uh, to America, Denmark, Australia, Italy multiple times, North Africa, and I've never had a problem packing it. And the, oh, you know for personally, I'm a big fan of the ISP for the simple reason your seat post will never
2: slip. Yeah, yeah, no, that I mean, that, that's point. fair. But like, yeah. like, I've got a TCR Advanced Pro, and my seat post never slips on that either. So I, I kind of. But like, you don't ride in the rain. Well, <laughs> I do occasionally. <laughs> sometimes. sometimes it rains when I go out when I don't intend it to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, but, you know, like, it's not the end of the world. It's kind of one of those things where, you know, like, I've got a TCR, I've got an older TCR Advanced SL, and and I find it, like, fine, but it probably wouldn't. I pr- just prefer a telescoping seat seatpost. I'm kind of, you know, I'm kind of one of those people who, like, i like to micromanage my saddle height, you know. If if I ever test a different saddle, I'm kind of, you know, pushing it up and do down by those millimeters. And you do get a bit of adjustment, but, like, I, 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 I don't know. I just find a... It's just not for me. Maybe that's a personal thing. Uh, I, I, it would be nice to have a little bit more than thirty millimeters of tire clearance as well, but you know, on an aero road bike, that you know, you could argue that that's plenty. But yeah, on the Advanced Pro and Advanced forms, you, you basically get a kind of lower tier carbon frame, a non-integrated seat post. I think on the Advanced form, you don't have the one and one quarter inch uh, Giant Overdrive two steerer; you just get a standard one, you know, one eighth inch steerer, which. You know, still plenty probably stiff enough for most people so i think that's not really a problem and they would come with giant components you know whether it's wheels saddles handlebars rather than you know the KDX components you get on the advanced sl builds now for me i think the probably advanced pro is probably if i was shopping would be you know where i would probably fall you know that's yeah hard. i think there's
0: that advanced pro zero word about Six and a half thousand euros, I think, which I kind of like the look of because that's force axis. You got the new Giant SLR one fifty mm deep wheel,
2: where I think the rim profile on that is the same as the Kaidex rim profile. Yeah, it is, but you don't obviously you don't get cars, yeah you don't get the you don't spokes. get carbon spokes and you don't get the ceramic bearings in the hubs. But you know, arguably those are pretty marginal gains. Yeah. So yeah, but that actually looks like, you know yeah a nice package. Yeah, and Giant also ships those bikes with power meters, which is very nice as well because you know even even though you know more and more people are riding with power meters these days so that isn't a given on you know every single road bike out there but yeah i just think it's a really overall the giant propel is a, a really important bike for 2023 because i think it's going to ha- it's going to push a lot of other manufacturers to make their aero road bikes a bit lighter and i know you know obviously for me i'm not someone who cares and a huge amount about weight but it is something that a lot of people still really care about. It's them. always a conversation. Isn't it's, it? it's always a, a conversation. Story. Yeah. So I think a lot of other brands will be looking at this and perhaps thinking, well, maybe we've gone you know a little bit too far with the kind of integration, and maybe we should like scale back and make make our bikes a bit simpler, make them a bit lighter, that that sort of thing, and you know maybe that'll make a lot of people happier.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think with the previous generation Propel, I really liked it. I really really liked it, but it was one of those Aero bikes that. I really enjoyed riding, but never really wanted to own. <laughs> I always think of that with a lot of aero bikes. It'd be a great bike to rent for a day mm. if you're, you know, if you're out in the Canaries or whatever, and just have a big fast blast day. But I was just thinking, well, I don't really want to live with this every day. Whereas this new Propel, I quite like the look of, especially now they've kind of they've tweaked the geometry, haven't they, and brought it more into line yeah. with the TTR.
2: Yeah, that's right. So it's got a kind of like slightly shorter wheelbase i think and it's just slightly yeah the handling is just is exactly identical to the tcr now in terms of geometry and 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 trail all those things and yeah i think before it was more kind of focused on you know a little bit more stable at high speed but it didn't feel as kind of like lively and light as the tcr did so yeah i think that's a good change i agree life is a highway and on it, there
1: will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one Mick Crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.
0: The NBA playoffs are here. And we all know playoff mode is a thing. Listen to the evidence. Playoff crowds are going wild. Playoff players are lighting up the court. Even the speakers are in playoff
1: mode. Okay, we'll take it down a notch, but just a notch, because this is the Turn It Up to 11 NBA Playoffs. Playoff mode is clearly a thing. This is what you love about
0: the NBA Playoffs presented by Google Pixel continue on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV.
2: Okay, so well, our next bike on the uh twenty twenty three headliners list is the Canyon Ultimate, and the model we're going to be talking about is the Canyon Ultimate CFR, which Ash has done his first round review on. The uh, full review has not yet has not yet been published, but will be uh soon. So Coming very soon, that. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so look out for that on Bike Radar. In, in, but... in stores, in Cycling <laughs> Plus on the twenty second of December, I believe. Well, there you go. There you go. <laughs> so. um Ash, tell us all about it. What makes the Canyon Ultimate a headliner bike for 2023?
0: Well,
3: for me, and the reason I wanted to include the Ultimate is, broadly speaking, because it's not... It doesn't actually try to move the game forward in any way. It just refi- refines what, what the Ultimate has been previously. Uh, we, you, we've seen it under the likes of Nairo Quintana winning uh, Grand Tours before now. It's got the race pedigree. Um, it's... a uh, one of the bikes that you know, up until last season, Alejandro Valverde would ride regularly alongside the Air Road, um, depending on the course that you know Team Movistar would be would be riding. Um, but it's been around for for a long, long time now. Um, uh, I attended the launch of of the new bike in in August, and they, the and the brand had very helpfully and uh, had put out uh, you know a range of the of the bikes from Generation One all the way through and what strikes you the most um is that is that it hasn't changed very much mm. like vi- visibly i mean the first bike the first version of it okay it it's slightly different to that i would say i think you definitely know that was an older bike that was a round
2: tube version was exactly it? Yeah.
3: exactly and then they went to sort of a squared uh profile that we we tend to see on pretty much every bike these days um that's that's made out of carbon fiber and um it's uh yeah since then it's just it's just tiny iterations um, from a side profile if i if i put the the new bike next to my third generation rim brake canyon ultimate um sl version i have got um it looks remarkably similar um, in, in the same size the geometry is slightly tweaked and the positions are sl- have slightly changed but it, it to be honest it it's incredibly familiar to me having ridden my ultimate since sort of, since you know start of
2: 2016 so yeah i think you know, I think it's important to say that this this is not a kind of just laziness on Canyon's part. Is Absolutely it? This is, not. This is no. completely disc is completely intentional, and they were very keen to make that point that they think they have a good balance with this bike already, and that if you made it, you know, more aero, you're going to make it heavier. If you're going to make it so much lighter, you're going to have to compromise on kind of aerodynamics in some way, and that's going to make it, you know, ultimately. Yeah. To use the silly, you know, to use the name of the bike, not quite as fast. So you know, given that, there there obviously have been some small changes. What are the kind of major headline changes to the to this latest version of the ultimate?
3: So uh canyon say that there's a far sort of a, a five watt improvement, border you know, sort of like a five-watt improvement across the whole bike. So it's it's had an, an aero overhaul and uh, I mean, even if we look at the images I've been able to publish um, online, the first ride review, uh, first ride review, sorry, and uh, from the news story, um, it's really difficult to see where they are. Uh, ostensibly, it's the integrated front aero cockpit front end that's been borrowed over from the from the air road. So, uh, where Canyon usually um, argues that the ultimate is like the the, the Keystone bike for their whole road offering, and and beyond that, um, it's actually taken some some componentry from, from from the aero the more sort of specialized aero side side to improve the front end the 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 uh, tube profiling is a little bit squarer mm-hmm. certainly more angular especially in the in the in the top tube um They've, they've moved to a d-shaped seat post uh canyon claims that's for aero benefit although it's it, it'll be marginal I'm sat on it and my legs are in front of it changing where the air's going all the time so I can't imagine it's making a massive difference but you know it'll make it'll be, it'll make a, a small difference um tire clearance has increased up to 32 up to 32 millimeter tires um the CFI that I've been testing actually doesn't make the most of that at all um it comes with a 25 mm front Tire and a 28 mil rear tire, but you know we were talking about weight just now. Um, you know the one, the CFR is still their lightest, stiffest sort of um, carbon, um, and my entire bike in a large, so it's a equivalent was well, equivalent to about a 56, 57 centimeter frame in in in. In this particular bike, uh, weighs uh, six point three nine kilos, mm. and that's know, a
2: pretty. You got the full weight weenie spec, I believe, didn't you?
3: I did. Yeah, I've got a uh, DT Swiss uh, PRC Monchasserel wheels, so um, all singing, all dancing from from the Swiss brand there, um, and I've got some. Um, uh, Schwalbe Pro One TT tires as well that don't don't include any sort of puncher, perfect for testing in a UK winter. Uh, yeah, well, I'm glad <laughs> I finished it now. Um, definitely, yeah, I've definitely finished the testing now. I did, did a lot of it, um, but quite nice on a bike launch in Nice. Very nice, very nice. I mean, when I was out there, um, you know, I loved riding it. It was fantastic. Even you know, climbing up. You know, climbing up where we climbed up the Col de la Madone, we, we we did a little bit of flat riding too, and the wheels are no slouches for you know obvious reasons. They weigh less than thirteen hundred grams for a pair, you know, um, at least I think that's right. Uh, but you know, they they are they're just in low inertia moments where you get out the saddle, they just rocket forward mm. unbelievably fast. They, they it's just it's you know they they're a little bit specialised, if I'm honest.
0: Um, I think that sort of. Um pertains to you know when we go on to launches and, and things like that we're normally taking some of the best places in the world to ride yeah and some of the best roads and the best quality roads yeah. so i think it's always so important that we need to get those bikes back and ride them on your home turf because mm. you can you know ride anything from anything of any you know merit up the madone you know i've done it numerous times you just sort of go god this is brilliant yeah this is fabulous even better coming back down um and but and then you get home and go <laughs> This isn't the same. <laughs> not quite the same. This isn't the same no. on a wet on a wet Wednesday in Wiltshire.
3: Yeah, and I, I mean, it's, it's also the, you know the components and the spec builds that you get as well. They are, you know, the incredible fun to to ride, incredibly fun to ride. And you know, there, there's a hero spec bike. This is one of the top spec versions that I've got. The Di2 version with your Di2 and 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 these wheels and tire this wheel and tire setup. But you know, it it, it does leave just a tiny bit wanting, but actually the, it's it's the frame that those wheels and tires that are attached to that really, really impresses here. It's not too aggressive, but it's also not relaxed. You know, you really feel like it's a race bike without sort of struggling. They've increased the reach just a little bit in for, for an equivalent size against the Ultimate that I've got, uh, which I've actually had to extend the stem slightly to sort of fit on it a little bit more naturally because I quite like a smaller fitting uh, bike. But uh, yeah, it's that it's the frame that really sort of sets it apart and that sort of optimized geometry. It's available in three specs. You can have still have a you know CFR at the top end, you can have an SLX or you can have the SL version. Um, Ultimately, it doesn't make funny use that word again, Uh, it it doesn't make a huge amount of difference to the way the the bike uh, rides. We're hoping to see a an Ultimate SL soon uh, to sort of really corroborate that. But, um, you know, at the launch, they also had an SLX uh, version of the bike as well. And uh, um, I, I heard no complaints from that anyway.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think when you look at, because I was looking at the range when I was, um, uh, when I was going through your review, actually to go into Cycling Plus, I was looking at some of your alternatives. And I think I pulled out there's an SLX, CF SLX 9. Yeah. It's obviously the slightly lower spec carbon frame, etc., but that's DI2 eight and a half grand. Again, it's got brilliant carbon wheels. It's the, it's the i2. And they're claiming a 6.8 kilo weight for a complete bike, you know, 56. So you're sort of thinking, oh, that actually sounds pretty pretty decent. And and I also think, like, for years and years, we've always talked about, you know, weight when it comes to bikes, and especially frame weights. Mm-hmm. But I am seeing now lots of brands are almost moving away from that because a fr- it, it's not like a frame when it was you know, 15, 20 years ago where you chose all those components. We're now looking at frame sets which include all those other elements, you know, like the the Ultimate it has yeah. a dedicated seat post, has mm-hmm. a dedicated fork, yeah. you know, even things down to like the headset and the cockpit are all part of that module. Yes. And that's what we're talking about. Because I think if you actually look at pure frame weights on the new Ultimate, it's like thirty grams heavier than the previous one. They've, yeah, that's... they've actually bolstered some areas to to improve it. Yes, they put
3: thirty grams mainly into the top tube and around the sort of bottom bracket area. I mean, it's it's not it's quite common for a brand to put carbon around it, you know, to stiffen up the bottom bracket area. But well, I mean, exactly so. I mean, reasons, I, I
0: but... just spent the weekend writing about the yeah. the new Comago V4 RS. Yeah, and that frame, set, the frame itself, is actually heavier than the V3 mm, RS. Yeah. But the frame module, when you include the bar, the seat post, the fork the headset it's lighter yes you know so it's kind of I, I think um I think we might be moving away from that weight weenie thing of how lights your frame because it's sort of an irrelevance now yeah well we, we
3: had our we had our day you know with the sub kilo frame frame sets in when everyone sh- every, you know the, the marketing sort of plus that came with that of people you know bike brands pushing for for that I mean the the ultimate CFR has you know a thousand and eighty two gram claimed weight on its frame set but that doesn't include the the cockpit or the or the seat post. It, it's the frame. It's the frame and fork as you would expect it. Um, so, you know, it's. Um, it, but again, you know, it's about putting those that extra weight. Or if you want to, you know, it's not exactly holding it back, but it's it's putting it to good use. So, you know, we're told there's a fifteen percent claimed improvement in head tube stiffness and uh, other small sort of optimizations in there. I mean, ultimately, I've done it again. That, but you know, you know, we, we, when you get to the, sort of the end of the story and you, you're thinking about what kind of bike do i want to ride with every day and what kind of frame do i want to be sat on every day much like your your Domani argument uh warren you know it's one of the, those bikes where you know you you could conceivably ride it everywhere all year round and be perfectly happy on it and it doesn't mean to say that you have to go and get a cfr build and the cfr is is the flagship it's the hero hero build of course it is but you know you can have you can have a cheaper frame set and you know, yeah, uh, you know, with yeah. my experience I think when you're look SL, at cell yeah. it's.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's the thing when you're looking at that CFR. I think there was a. It's the CFRE tab. Where I actually yes. looked and thought, "Oh, that looks pretty decent," because that's SRAM Red Axis with the power meter. Zip wheels, uh, with, but it's a Zip 353 NSWs, which mm. are one of my favorite wheels that I've tried for the last in the last couple of years. Yeah, and that to me looks like the more. All. Oh, well, it's ridiculous saying that ten thousand eight hundred pound bikes are really good all rounder day to day bike. <laughs> <laughs> but, of course it is, but compared to compared to the 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 Jura Ace, you know, with the Manchester Rails, yeah, it it to me is sort of like, yeah, I could, you know, yeah, I, I could live with that. I couldn't live with that hitting my bank balance, but um, <laughs> no, I, I could certainly live with that bike. But
3: but it's horses for courses as well. You know, when when I look at the you know the mix of, of bikes and so on, I actually look below the CFI and I kind of look at the SLX nine di two as you mentioned yeah. earlier. I think that for me is probably the best. I won't say bang for buck, so because the SL might probably nick that still. But the, you know, because you could still get an Altegra Di2 with, um, I think, DT Swiss ARC 1400 wheels on. You know, that would probably be your best bang for buck if you're looking at it from a spec point of view. But, you know, for me personally, I'd probably look a little bit lower down in order to get the best mix that I would want from an investment that I was prepared to
0: give. Oh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I'd say that, you know that's sort of across the board that's that's kind of what i like to, to yeah. look at i mean i recently tested air road with rival axis and dt swiss mm. carbon wheels yeah i don't know simon you did the super high-end one and sort of were like oh it's a great bike it's a little bit hard yeah whereas i found that moving down to the to the slx or you know l- level of carbon it it introduced a bit more compliance, and I actually describe it as one of the most comfortable aero bikes I've ever ridden. <laughs> you yeah, know? I think I yeah. think the, the, the
2: reason the, the reason that that was a re- an, an, an odd time when I reviewed that bike because it the reason it had that was because it had a very it had the older set of DT Swiss wheels which still had like a kind of seventeen mil yeah. internal uh, width front rim, and that made the twenty five mil tire, which they spec as Ash said for kind of you know an aero improvement at the front. It meant it meant it measured twenty five mil right exactly and that's quite narrow by today's standards and especially you know around here so it's obviously a very stiff bike and then you think well oh, this front this front is quite chattery as soon as you get off a perfect road and it also had a very uncomfortable saddle which they then very quickly <laughs> swapped out for the, the following generation and obviously they put the new wheels on which had wider internal whips and you got a bit more volume out yeah. of that front tire so i think you know well, now yeah. two years later we're seeing it that you know but once, now i do think
0: there is something to be said for actually looking at that that there lower mm. second tier carbon frame set. I think, you know, case in point is I've got, you know, one of my own bikes, I've got a Cannondale Super 6 Evo um, built up with Ultegra Di2 and, you know, l- absolutely love it. But when it came to getting it, I wanted the Super 6 Evo carbon and not the high mod because I find the high mod, yeah, it's that bit lighter. Yeah, it's that, you know, it's that, got that Pro Tour thing about it. But it's also harder. Mm. You know, it's it's a harsher ride. And I just found that like, stepping down, taking a hit of, you know, 80, 90 grams or yeah, whatever. it's
2: very rarely much. Yeah, it, <laughs> yeah.
0: It's kind of like, yeah, but you're, you're actually getting a bite that's, that's just easier to live with. And, and so I, you know, that would be my top tip for the day. Well don't always look at the Halo bike you know, look, look deeper into the range because there are some you know real good bargains to be had
3: The proof will be in the pudding we we'll we'll be testing uh, you know both of those the SL and the SLX in the fullness of time so uh, yeah keep Pilton Bike Radar for those but uh, yeah I I I I've no shame in putting my hand up to test those that's for
2: sure <laughs> Yeah I mean I you know I think broadly I definitely I the, the Canyon Ultimate is one of the kind of iconic uh, road bikes which I have uh, kind of yet to ride so but I think you know, from from a glance, you can see that, yeah, they've they've not changed much with this latest generation. But I don't think anyone's especially unhappy about that. No,
0: I I, I love the idea that they just evolved it and evolved it and evolved it and refined mm. it. You yeah. know, it was yeah. um you
2: know. It's a bit, a bit like a TCR, you know, a giant the TCR, TCR in yeah, that TCR, respect. You know, like, point, yeah. I've got a twenty twenty TCR with disc brakes, and I've got a two thousand and nine TCR with rim brakes. The only real difference is, is the tubes are slightly more aerodynamic because you know back in two thousand and nine everyone thought that brick shaped tubes were best because they make a bike really stiff, and nowadays we have you know sort of cam tail aerofoils. It's got a bit more clearance and it's got disc brakes. But apart from that, you know they handle very similarly, very similar bikes. And actually, I don't really think that's a problem. You know, road bikes are kind of settled on you know a number of things, and unless you're kind of on the vanguard of you know racing and you or you want that kind of ultimate. Speed from your bike, or you know, ultimate comfort, or something like that. Then actually, there's a lot to be said for these kind of, you know, reasonably lightweight all-round road bikes that are kind of settled on a formula that works really well. You know, I've you know, you have you own a Canyon Ultimate from you know a few years ago, as far as I'm aware, Ash, and, and you're probably still very happy with it now, right?
3: uh I am, uh, up, you know, as far up as I happy with 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 wind brakes,
2: yes, sure, uh, but, but yes, now but it, I'm used to testing disc yeah. brakes all
3: the time, but. Yes. But yeah, if you bought I'm a bike like
2: this, you know, the latest Canyon Ultimate, you can be kind of rest assured that it hasn't tried anything crazy. And so in five five years or so down the line, you're probably going to be sitting there, no, you know, still pretty happy with this bike whereas if you, you know, you go out today and, and buy a kind of bike that's on the vanguard of technology, that could be quickly superseded when they find out that oh, we didn't quite implement that as well as we wanted to. Yeah. And and we had to make we had to make a few changes for it the next year and the next generation or whatever. So I think there's a lot to be said for kind of, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it
3: exactly yeah and also it gives it gives if you happen to own a, a fourth generation ultimate you know this is definitely not an advertisement to go out and buy one if you would probably be equally as happy so stick with what you've got because you know in this in this day and age you've, you've you know it's a, it's a great bike still
2: yeah absolutely well i think that kind of brings us interestingly to our last bike because one was you were talking about how you know nowadays we kind of measure weights in terms of you know modules, and actually, I think this last bike is the kind of the ante to that it's kind of going back a, a little bit in a way that perhaps is best for you know, maybe a, a kind of greater majority of the market. Now, this last bike is the Cervelo Soloist, and the model we're going to talk about is the Integrity I 2 build, which you reviewed earlier this year was. So tell us all about it. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is that, you know, Cervelo Soloist, anybody
0: that's, you know, been in, involved in bikes for a long time will remember the original 2002. I mean, I, I was still doing this back then, and I've, <laughs> I did ride one. So, I you know, I've got a huge affection for the Soloist. And the Soloist is... I would argue the genesis of the aero road bike. It's it's day one, and so first off, when somebody and Nats, they were bringing it back, I was like, "Wow, that's bold! Mm. That's a really, really bold move." And then when it arrived, I was even, you know, I was even more impressed because they already have a super cutting edge aero road bike. They've got the S5, you know. So bringing the Soloist back, it's like, "Well, what is it going to be? What is it going to do?" And the way they've pitched it is, it's an aero road bike that's easier to live with day by day and it's kind of aimed at the the fast amateur racer or just the guy that likes to go fast. Um, and that's really reflected in the range. You know, we're talking about this, the Soloist or Tegra 2. It's the top of the range bike. You know, mm. there is nothing better in their range for it. And I think that's a really, it's quite refreshing. Mm. Um, and so I would say the, the new Soloist, it hits all those aero points that you want. You know, it's got a really nice, um, you know, obviously, a very Cervelo frame, um, but it's a bit more. Well, it's a lot more traditional than an S5, I would say. Um, you still get the touch points like a proper aero seat post, um, but actually, that's got a really good clamping system, which I did very much like. Um, it's got internal um, hose routing, but the internal hose routing just runs under the stem, runs into the front, you know, front of the the head tube. Very easy to maintain. Very easy to to swap um, bars and stems when you want to. And, and it's just, everything about it impressed me because it's just, it seems to be so thought about for the end user. So rather than being hyper-cutting edge, it's, everything about it is like, this bike is going to be easy to live with. And that may sound like it comes across as being maybe a bit boring, mm-hmm. but it isn't. The ride quality is exactly what you expect of an aero bike from Cervelo, and more, because I found it was just a very comfortable bike as well. you know, obviously the comparisons that people would want to make is like, well, how does it compare to the S5? And I would say, no, no, you should be comparing this to the Caledonia, the endurance bike, because for me, it's not that much different in the in the comfort you get from the ride, but it's got that much more excitement about everything else it does. Mm. you know um I mean, I sort of you know when I was kind of working out what to say about it, it's kind of like, it's aerodynamic enough, it's light enough, it's comfortable enough, and it's fast handling enough. It does everything very well, to a very high standard, without pushing any of those elements to the detriment of any other. And, you know, it's a it's a bike I've really, really enjoyed riding.
3: It's a common theme in this podcast, isn't it? Because you've just described the ultimate as well. In a, in a <laughs> nutshell, yeah. the, the balance will be slightly different, but ultimately, I, I've done it again. <laughs> I've done it again. I've said four. Or five Ash, it. just
2: just for clear, just, just to be clear, Ash isn't being paid by I'm Canyon not. to mention to <laughs> mention the word "ultimate" ten million times in this. So, although we'll have to check, won't we? Actually, maybe I've said that. I don't actually know. So. Yeah, you have
3: to double check. <laughs> no, no, maybe it's a pound in the swear jar. Every time. Uh, but you know, it's it's a different blend of of characteristics every time, but you know we're we're landing on you know sort of all-rounder bikes now or bikes that can do a lot of things rather than just just be specialist in one area because there was you know not long ago there was a time where you know you had your aero bike and your lightweight bike and your and your endurance bike and all the all the different kind of styles of bikes and now they're starting to converge again no doubt they'll pull apart again in the future <laughs> when when regulations allow you know but
0: yeah
2: yeah, I think it's an interesting one. You know, I, I haven't ridden this bike, but I tested the uh, S5 earlier this year. And I remember going out on that for a f- you know a few days when I thought, God, this is like the fastest bike, one of the fastest bikes I've ever ridden. You know, it was up there with the kind of the Cannondale System 6. And you it's know, super aggressive. And you get those really deep uh, reserve wheels. Mm. You know, the, the frame basically looks like a time trial bike. It's just you get a drop handlebar on it and you've got that, you know, the V-stem with the super aggressive aero handlebar. And, and I remember thinking, like, God, this is just fantastically fast. But at the same time, I wouldn't buy it because that, that stem and cockpit is, is literally, you know, proprietary to that bike and you can't get a 36-centimeter handlebar in it. And so that, you know, for me, that's off the table. Now, that's a niche concern, but if you don't like that handlebar shape, you know, you're, you're just stuck with it. It's a nice handlebar shape. I didn't have any problems with it, but it, I would buy the Soloist because you get that opportunity to customize mm-hmm. it so much more and just that kind of lack of complication that I think would make living with it much better. Like, yes, it's probably not quite as fast. Obviously, you don't get such deep wheels with the Cervelo Soloist. I, I think for me, you know, I haven't ridden it, so this is kind of me looking at the, looking at it on paper – I probably would have hoped to have seen something in the region of 50 to 55 millimeter in terms of wheels, but that's because I, li- I like a deep rim. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. so but that's the
0: thing. I mean, with that, you know, it comes... The, the top-spec bike comes with reserves, um, 40, 44 pairing, So you get a 44 deep on the rear, you get a 40 on the front. And even that choice to me is kind of like, well, we've given you aero enough wheels, but we're not going to do it to the detriment of the way the bike handles. Yeah. And what I do like about the new Salis range is that the frame and fork are the same throughout every model. So if you're on a budget or if you already have an existing decent set of aero wheels that you want to, you know, transpose onto the bike, there's a Soloist 105 for three and a half grand. You know, it's so you're still getting the, you know, what I think is a sublime handling frame, but you're buying it in a package that, and I thought I'd never, ever say this, but like, it's a Cervelo, that's really good value. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, it's one of those things. It's kind of, you know, I I'd sort of go, you know, who'd have thought that that the elite tech that that is renowned for could be one of the everyman choices for
2: 2023?
0: It's like, you know, we're in a new world now and things have gone mad. You know?
2: Yeah, I just think, yeah, as you're saying, and I think there's a lot to be said for that um that that kind of like it's almost like you're saying that kind of anti cervelo thing of 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 giving you that non- uh, progressive cockpit, you know. I, I think so much of, you know, aerodynamics on on bicycles. We you know we we just talk about bikes and components in in kind of isolation, and it's really important to consider that you know ultimately you are the person who has to ride it. You're the biggest problem, mm-hmm. and so giving you that flexibility to, you know change the stem for, you know, more, more length or, you know, less length, whatever you want, or a narrower bar or a wider bar, you know, whatever you want, or the kind of you, you, I think, you know, we, we could probably go around this table and we've all got our kind of like favorite handlebar. And and for most test bikes that we get or most modern bikes, you know, that's becoming not an option to, to spec your favorite handlebar. But I think for the kind of the day-to-day user, you know, who obviously for the pros, the S5, you know, they ride what they're paid to you know, they get, they get told what's the fastest and they just ride that. But for, for us, I don't, you know, we're kind of making more, we're making our choices of components more on, you know, fit, ease of use, price a lot of the time. Mm. And so being able to, to change those things is something that we're kind of like losing in a lot of places. And I think Cervelo should be really celebrated for, for giving that to us with this bike.
0: Mm. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And I think, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a refreshing way to launch a bike that they're. There isn't a halo bike. There isn't a, a you know unattainable one. I mean, it's not cheap, mm. but when I you know when you're looking at it compared to you know some of the other bikes we've been talking about, you know, compared to say the the Dimani that I'd also tested, you know, this bike's four grand cheaper, mm. and it's not four grand worse. Mm. And there's, yeah, there's, there's
3: a lot to say for like, the flexibility of being able to change things out a little bit as well, like Canyon. Canyon, for example, at the, at the uh, you know when we record this, you know, still doesn't allow you to swap components out. You have to buy them in addition. So for the CFR, you know, you get an inline seat post as opposed to one with a little bit of setback, which is more sort of traditionally fitted to a to a bike sold to the public. Yet you'd have to if you wanted the CFR. Yet you wanted a setback seat post, you would have to buy that, and because it's proprietary, you have to buy Canyon's one at an extra cost. So it, you know, it, there's a lot to be said and a lot of value to be ascribed to to being able to choose those components I think.
2: Yeah, I completely agree. I think it's a really uh exciting bike and, I, and like I say I think I hope a lot of other brands kind of t- take take a bit of notice of that and you know just just kind of like remember that yeah, it's it's nice to make a kind of you know we I still want the S5s of this world, don't get me wrong, but you know there may not be for kind of every non-professional rider out there. So I so I think it's really nice to see uh, you know as, as this is acknowledging that this is still an expensive bike that you know, brands are still thinking of the kind of everyday user as well and not just about making a bike that's fit for the Tour de France.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I think, you know, it is a trend that we are starting to see more and more of where, where brands have started to make bikes for riders, not just professional riders. You know, we're seeing it here with the soloist. We saw it last year with the, you know, the new Synapse, which was kind of, yeah, you could race if you wanted, but why would you want it? You know, and it's kind of, and I kind of like that, um that, the Pro Peloton used to inform everything about road cycling. And now it only informs a small a smaller amount, you know, and that's great. And that's probably due down to the influence of things like gravel bikes happening and stuff like that. When, you know, these the big bike brands are suddenly realising there's more to there's more to road racing than, you know,
2: wearing adverts on your top and <laughs> Okay. Well, those are the four bikes that we think are gonna be the headliners for road cycling in 2023. If you do have any questions or comments about what we've discussed today, you can email us at podcast at bikeradar.com. Otherwise, all it leaves me to do is thank Ash and Warren for joining me today.
3: You're welcome. Thank you.
2: And thank you for listening. Please don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already and do leave us a review wherever you get your podcast as that helps us reach even more people who are interested in bikes. And we'll see you next time. Thank you very much.